Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric, and I am here today with Michael Kester. Yep, uh, we're here to uh, we're here we're here to disappoint a lot of people today. Why is that? But what else is new? It's double feature. Who's disappointed? Certainly not me. No, not you, not me. We're doing uh, we're doing some video game movies, kind of on double feature. Well, firmly, we are doing video game movies. Whether or not they're based on video games is still sort of to be decided. But they are video game movies. We're doing twenty oh six's Silent Hill, right? Twenty oh six, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, it is. It's a new horror movie. New horror. Yeah, you it's like first that, time don't I got you? to say that on this show. I'm yeah. so excited. Uh, and then we're pairing that with um, the, uh, the... Although you could have at least classic. waited until you had like some sort of Paris Hilton, Cold Chamber soundtrack type. It's too late. We've already covered it all. This is literally all right. the last one. <laughs> this is our last one. This one chance. at least has like a cool industrial kind of like there's yeah. no no Slipknot tracks drop on this. Um, and we're... We're doing we're doing uh, the cult classic Super Mario Bros, uh, but we're doing the um, remind me the name of the cut is the Morton Jankel cut named after the That's directors. Right. It's okay if you That's haven't right. seen the Morton Jankel cut. I know nobody knows what the fuck that is. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Morton Jankel cut when we get to that section of the show. Um, but first, if um, let me tell you a little something, please. If you don't want video game content patreon.com forward slash double feature stop paying for it no i'm kidding um <laughs> maybe check out one of the nearly 1000 episodes it's available insane. on yeah. patreon the whole back catalog we are coming up on the end of the 14th year of double feature but the 15th year of doing this show because there is a ghost year whereby we just hoarded episodes until we figured out how to be a podcast <laughs> is um, that how that works? I think it yeah. might work reverse order. But then there's also the additional content, so I never... That's true. And that time we made a movie together set in the also world, true. a double feature. That should come also for true. a year, that fucking Two movies. Thing. There's, the, oh, yeah. there's the, yes. the puppet short. I, the, I call the, that a the, TV series, that one. Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I don't You're know right. why, but... Um, yes, each year of the show has been a, you know, a standalone season. Yeah. So if you, you know, we're wrapping up this year of the show, maybe you want some more show, you're like, hey, where the fuck did this show go? You can go on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash double feature, and you can get access to a totally different year of the show, every year of the show. Mm-hmm. And you could go, hey, uh, I'm an agent of chaos. I just want to do year 11. I, I mean, I think you get at, you actually, yeah, you get access to all the years, but you don't have to listen to that. I remember year 11 being a good year. Yes. I don't know why, but I do remember that being a good year. And then you'll be the person who's only heard year 14 and year 11, and that's fine. You yep. can do that. Right. Right. So this is, uh, what, like a drop your egg off at an orphanage double feature? Or is that a spoiler? <laughs> yeah. It's that. It's definitely that. We um, should do Silent Hill first. Yeah, I didn't mean to, to do the egg spoiler right away. We're gonna spoil the movies. They're kind of about video games. If you've played the video games, the movies don't spoil anything. Um, 
And yeah, so Silent Hill, uh, are you ready to get into Silent Hill? I'm totally ready. Should we logline it? Yeah, so Silent Hill is a, uh, it's a movie about a missing daughter who goes, uh, who goes sus- suspiciously missing it to the town of Silent Hill, an old mining town that's had an underground coal fire burning for eternity. Still burning. Still burning today. Her mother goes in search of her and her father goes, wait a second, I'm Sean Bean. If I go to this town, I'm going to die. I'm not going this time. <laughs> That's what happens in the movie. Sean Bean in a side quest this whole movie. <laughs> just, okay, one thing I just got to, before we get into this, because I'm going to be, you know, Silent Hill love fest, but I will, it's always funny to me, Sean Bean in this movie. If you cut out every Sean Bean scene in this movie, it would be the same fucking movie. He never interacts. No, I'm telling you. In the very first scene, he interacts with the other characters of the movie and then just never speaks to them again. He doesn't go to (laughs) Silent Hill. Nope. He literally goes home in the climax of the movie. They're like, nah, go home, man. So he's trying to get to Silent Hill the whole movie and then he's told to go home and wait on the couch, which he does. Yeah. Uh, You know, I won't spoil where the movie ends, but like I said... There's only one scene where yeah. he's, he's fucking with the people from the movie. It's just funny to me, like, what the yeah. fuck happened here? It's definitely notable as... But it doesn't matter. It's notable as one of the... I mean, I can't... I'm not sure I can think of any other Sean Bean movies where he survives. So it's notable at least in that in that case. I think I saw an infographic once that said he survived like 50% of the roles or something. Oh, okay. I can't well, think I just, of another fucking movie where the where there's a side character whose B plot never connects to the A plot and he's just like, yeah, well, my movie is also included. It's like a Sean Bean right? short <laughs> that they just spliced up and yep. cut to, you want to talk about a fan edit, actually, this is the fan edit that never was. I'm curious if Silent Hill works without his scenes. Sure. It's almost the like The runtime would work a lot better. Well, that's what's funny, right? Two hours is kind of crazy long for this. And I wonder mm-hmm. if there wasn't like a foreign sales last minute, like, oh, we we need a extremely notable actor to interject yeah, let's into get, this. Let's, yeah, let's, re- let's add some scenes with Boromir. And, but doesn't uh, it we'll seem like Sean Bean is one of those names though, that like somewhere oh, yeah. in Scandinavia just like sells out, I don't know. Well, Anyways. keep in mind this is this is this is mid LOTR trilogy. I mean, he mm-hmm. is. This is if ever he and also checking my math. This eh, actually this is a little before Game of Thrones, so he's not quite at that at that point. There's only a very small window where he's notable for Game of Thrones. By the way, no spoilers. Um, anyway, so you're right. And then the then you have what Rada Mitchell is the lead. I also don't know, are are you our main character's lawyer or what? Because you totally skip over. She actually drags her daughter to Silent Hill and then loses her. That's right. A little more specifically. You're like, I'm, you're like mom just out here trying to find her daughter who mysteriously went to Silent Hill. I'm sorry. So, so uh, this is, and this is actually, this is great because this brings up a big a big point of contention for me with this movie. Um, like you, I really enjoy the Silent Hill game franchise mm. in so much that um, I get them confused because I've played so much Silent Hill that when I watch the movie, it's sort of just like a chain together. Um, uh, yeah. What are they called in real life? I was going to call it an FMV. Um <laughs> <laughs> Cutscene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. It's like chained together cutscenes from the movie. 
Well, the plot in this develops like game pacing. I mean, the uh, the most deliberate sequential enemy reveals, and that's I don't want to say it's exactly the plot points, but it's pretty similar. You could map the movie out by we're going to introduce this enemy, introduce this one, and yeah, it does play out like the the cutscenes would. Even you know the ending. Like your reward at the end is exposition for why you've played this far. Sure. Which I just think is kind of a if if ever there were a movie where people complain like, oh, it's not like the game, they really bring a lot of game storytelling mechanics. I feel like our characters running up to maps and hitting the X button to figure out where the fuck to go next. I would definitely say in the in the history of cinematic adaptations of video games, of all the people who are like, it's not like the game, it's different than the game, it ruined the game. I would say I would argue that I would argue that the biggest flaw of Silent Hill 2006 is that it is too much like a video game. What I really love about the film, whether you like the games or not, or even games in general, is the fucking tone of this movie, man. You are, you're going to see a movie called Silent Hill. You want to be in Silent Hill world. Ten minutes in, mm-hmm. you are just in the thick of it. Yeah, You're right in the iconic fog, and you don't even get to explore the whole, it's like, okay, what is the fog? And some things, is it snowing? And then it's ash, and who are these characters? And before you even get a layout of the town, already the air raid sirens going off and things are twisting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that happens, uh, it happens so fast. And it's honestly, it's exciting to me every time I watch this. It's one of the things I love about it. Things we talked about with like Tarsum Singh movies and, and you know, with not talking about the movie The Cell, mm-hmm. this, uh, this music video kind of imagery that's just pouring over you but also setting the mood, the melancholy score, the kind of stillness and the quiet. Those first moments when she arrives at Silent Hill and even the way they shoot it, they use those extreme, you know, like high and low angles. Mm -hmm. If you never played a game from this era, this is 99 Silent Hill starts. And it, it's one of the games in this kind of um, this boom of survival horror. Yeah, it's 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 in the it's in the post Resident Evil um, post Resident Evil video game world. So Resident Evil sort of like created the survival horror genre, and then there's all these other games that sort of build or or expand or twist on that mechanic. Your Fatal Frame and Fatal yeah, Frame is exactly. the first one that came to mind. Yeah. So if you don't play the games or don't care about the games, the only thing you really need to know to this end is the influence here that I think would really be missed otherwise is because of just gaming mechanics at that time, the survival horror of that era had the, the static PlayStation 2 camera. You remember that? Mm-hmm. You could not mm-hmm. control the camera. You would basically walk through... A, you got a painting in front of you. You're going to walk mm-hmm. through the painting and you're going to exit out what looks to be, and is not always, the exit to go to the next. It's like a slide deck you're running through. Mm-hmm. But the fucking camera was always in these extremely unnerving places that movies right. do not put their camera. Sure. You know, games are kind of used to this overhead uh, profile, I guess. 
But also because it's horror and the 90s, everything's on like a fucking 45-degree angle. It was like literally running through a series of trunk shots. I mean, it was just like the camera would be like behind a globe. And you're like, okay, but I can't really (laughs) see around this globe. But here's why that's important, because games realize games were traps to create intensity and to create horror. So they were really sitting down like a science experiment where films maybe weren't. Films were going, here's some things that have worked, and occasionally somebody has a new idea. Where games are like a fucking lab. They're playtesting these. They're going, how do we make these scarier than the last one? Mm-hmm. And they discovered that if people can't move the camera, that's tense anyways. Mm-hmm. What if we move the camera for them? And then there are certain camera movements that make people they're not the camera movements you would want. They're not instinctive. They they compete against that. Mm-hmm. It's how they film the whole entrance and descent, you know, into Silent Hill from these extreme high angles that are they're kind of expensive to shoot. They're it's like a crane shot basically. Mm-hmm. And uh or like you said these extreme low angles shooting through a overturned whatever the fuck. And yeah, it was not a natural angle to shoot in a film, but gaming really invented and advanced a lot of these uh, these things that uh, it's not like movies pick them up, picked them up, and ran with them. I mean, still, if you look at the beginning of the film Silent Hill or at the kind of entrance into the underworld, I don't feel like anybody's shooting like that. It's still crazy mm-hmm. to watch these weird aerial or you know the character. Uh, clean exits and ent- enters from one side of the frame and like runs along the whole frame and runs out. Right. Truly, just uh, it's stuff you it's stuff you never get to see in horror movies, and that makes me so happy about it. Sure. Should we talk about the themes of the movie? Are there themes here? You know, you mentioned Sean Bean doesn't really get to play the game, um, but thematically, it's like. It, hold on, I'm about to drop the F word, and I have to just like really quick comb the film to make sure that I'm not getting it wrong. Yeah, it's a pretty feminist movie. Um, It's like literally all women, um, you know, plenty, plenty of like, it's, it's like acing the Bechdel test scene after scene after scene. Um, Yeah, well, there's a lot of religion. So there's witch burning and I feel like that's the conflict. mm -hmm. And so, you know, that conflict can be present in, in this group of people that, yeah, I mean, maybe with the exception of Pyramid Head, we don't know. Right. But I don't think, you know what, I don't think that stops the ever-present Japanese eroticism mm-hmm. from just being under the surface the whole time. I mean, it's it's not the whole, oh, come on, the whole time? Have you seen how this movie ends? Yes. <laughs> There's well, definitely at well, least maybe one not. scene where it is not Over under the surface. The surface. <laughs> it forcibly inserts itself over the surface. Yeah, well, this is, um, you know, this is part of gaming of the time. This is part of, uh, like, when we talk about Japanese animation, we see this. Mm -hmm. I even remember earlier on this year talking about Belladonna sadness Mm -hmm. and a little bit of um, just how sexuality is represented in media in different countries. So let's look at something, like, more toned down, like the sexy nurses, right? We have a horror monster, right? and it's playing with that kind of, like, is this a turn-on or is this grotesque? Sure. And I feel like that was um, something specifically that Silent Hill was always in and around uh, 
I don't know, like, look at all the monsters in this movie. I think the monsters in, in Silent Hill, the game, are always some backwards representation of, like, characters, um, uh, kind of inner demons. That was the whole fucking thing about it. Sure. But when we get some of the, like, we go into fucking Catholic school and there's BDSM going on in the bathrooms, mm -hmm. right? No, I mean, it's hot baddies this whole time. Like, even Pyramid Head is fucking, like, jacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what totally, I mean? Totally, Like, there <laughs> Basically is- Basically has a renaissance cloth draped around yeah, his waist. I mean, yeah. like, it. it's definitely not, it, it should not go without saying that, like, 80% of these monsters are either hot or fuck you. Uh, well, and I think about like the one way or another. You were talking about feminist stuff, men, women, and chainsaws. Carol Carol Clover's book, yeah, that uh, we probably mentioned back on Behind the Mask, but talks about a lot of slasher lore. And I remember she talked a lot in that book. Nobody ever considers this part, but she talks a lot in the book about castration anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I thought about I don't know if this is related or maybe the flip side of that or what you would call it, but there. In, in the beginning of coming to Silent Hill, our protagonist is in this, uh, she's in the skirt, she's rolling around on the ground. I feel like the monsters are always clenching at her. Mm -hmm. So there's this sort of fear of, it's not just, oh, the monsters are going to get me, but they're going to touch my exposed skin. They're yeah. I don't know what the monsters want from me. Sure. And I know the games play with that too. Like the introduction of Pyramid Head is very monster rapey. Mm -hmm. So there is, when I say an undercurrent, that's like, it's not explicit. That's, that's what the monsters are here to do. That doesn't right. really seem to fit into the ethos. Right. But you'd be wrong to say the movie's not flirting with that a little bit. Right. Every character is spread in an X and tied down before yeah. they, were, they were killed, I mean, you know? Again, you're talking about, will the monsters touch my skin like you didn't see the end of the movie? This is, when, you're talking about the skin tear? Yeah. This scene, <laughs> you want to break down the scene, the pyramid head scene? Well, okay, so let me actually, before we get into it, because this is actually something that I think is is really notable about this movie and also, so really quick sidebar, um, is when you and I were growing up and first really getting exposed to cinema, new horror was the only horror. Mm -hmm. If you went to the movie to see a horror movie, it was Silent Hill, it was House of Wax, it was Hostel, it was Cabin Fever, it was uh, The Devil's Rejects, it was, um, you know, all of these new horror movies, all the remakes, uh, the the Texas Chain, the Marcus Nispel Texas Chainsaw remake, all of these remakes. Mm -hmm. And the thing that wasn't apparent to me at the time as somebody who didn't, have the whole breadth of of horror understanding that I do now is that these movies are fucking mean and these movies will like go way beyond what is normally acceptable in cinema and they'll put it right on the screen it's not it's not alluded to it's not he grabs her skin and then and then blood it's he grabs her skin rips it from her body and throws her skin her her skin sheath on the ground and the camera goes check out this fucking skin sheath that bitch just got her skin ripped off yeah and it's, it's, it's like intense it, as fuck. when i saw this movie the first time i remember being like oh cool gross cool when i watched this movie for the show tonight i was like jesus fucking christ 
Like we're ha- we're we're at the end of the year yeah. on our new French extreme uh new French extreme journey and I'm like I'm like Silent Hill in 2006 ripping a woman's skin off with their bare hands. Well, it, the way it's done too where he is holding her helplessly in one hand and tears the whole of her clothes off in a single gesture just as if yeah. there was no uh, even possibility of resistance, which feels mm-hmm. brutal in itself. But as your mind is still coming to terms with the the sort of like, uh, I mean, the pearl clutching nature of it and mm-hmm. the shock nudity and then also the logistics of like, can you tear all of a person's clothes off with one right. hand and the unexpectedness and all of this, you're still kind of parsing that as another hand comes and twists the skin and then just does the same thing with all of the skin from the body. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, you're right, whips it at the camera too, just in another sort of like, if there is, there there may not be a better single moment from that era to go, oh yeah, new horror. Yeah. You know, because as you said, the other trademark of new horror and man, that, that fucking scene too, Left such. I saw this in a theater as well, mm-hmm. and when uh, what sixteen years ago or whatever, and the impression that that left on me, I think back to that scene all the time. As like, oh yeah, that was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I even kind of shorthand, you know, New French Extremity as like skin pull movies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of thing. When I make a joke about like eating skin, uh, it's really because I remember the skin gag from Silent Hill. I know that made the impression on me. So fucked up. And of course, the ever-present eroticism to it as well. Just a little bit of like the violation of the nudity and then the violation of Mm -hmm. pulling all the skin, insult, injury, all of it. But yeah, I think the cruelest part of the movie, the most new horror part of the movie is that one of the big trademarks of those films maybe the only one I see here really, really at the forefront was how cruel they were and how they Mm -hmm. kind of felt like, you know, the prerogative was push the gore as far as you could go. But I think that kind of got intertwined with the sort of like push the meanness Mm -hmm. as far as you can go. And the finale of this is just an all-timer yeah. in both of those respects. Well, I mean, the the thing about pushing the gore, right, is that, you know, one of the realities of, of violence in cinema that we don't talk about is that you can have a fucking violent movie that, like, isn't upsetting. Mm-hmm. You know, think, the perfect example, Dead Alive. Mm-hmm. Right, dead alive, Super bloodiest boring. movie ever made. Buckets of Super blood. gore. I mean, I mean, like if you think if I were to describe the things that happened in Dead Alive, you would be absolutely agog at the things that I would tell you. But when you watch the movie, it's like ew, gross. Um, so, so there is and so this much different it, than its sequel, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. <laughs> Um, There's a little two percenter uh, for for the gaming people who listen. I uh, you can turn on extreme physics in that game. (laughs) Stop. Uh, 
<laughs> um, the ending. We were talking about the ending. Well, so so the thing that goes along. So you can have as much violence as you want, but the movie needs to the movie needs to hate the violence. You know what I mean? And no. I think sometimes that gets misconstrued misconstrued as hating the audience because the movie needs the movie needs to understand that the violence is upsetting. It needs to oh, come. Yeah. The violence needs to come from a place that it's a bad thing, right? It can't be like, woohoo, look, we're using a fucking lawnmower. It's like- You can't have a little kid like play around in the blood. Well, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> you can do that, but only if you're going to play in the blood of somebody who's being fucking rape murdered by barbed wire. Yeah. Because then you have a little girl playing in rape murder barbed wire blood. Oh God! So you just need to think about. Basically, I feel like the bit, the way to reverse engineer this is you get a fucking preacher's wife in a room, and you go, okay. So there's this, there's this, this um, religious woman. She's like, okay, and you go, she's lifted up and in a prone X shape over an altar. Okay, this is terrible by barbed wire. Okay, and then the barbed wire goes and violates her vagina. It comes out of her body. And then a small child plays in her blood. And if if the priest's wife faints, you have a new horror scene. Oh my God. So the extremeness of the ending, the untoppable extremeness, but also in a movie where the tone is unmatched, the style, the kind of like melancholy stillness mm-hmm. of the early scary moments. I mean, I just love all of this about Silent Hill and I know there's stuff people don't like and I don't care. It's just a special movie to me. And you have to make a case for some of these special movies because time was not always nice to these Super Mario Bros. Bros. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is certainly one of them. Um, Super Mario Bros. Not brothers, bros. Super Mario Bros. is sort of the antithesis of... Um, Silent Hill. So I mentioned how Silent Hill is probably the most video game film. You know, it's the movie that, mm. that plays most like a video game. Super Mario Bros. to me feels like you took a, a, a group of writers and you were like, you need to make a movie based on Super Mario Brothers. And every single writer went, what Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. And then somebody had to describe to them the game and then they went, okay, and tried to like draw lines in between the things that made, you know what I mean? Someone's like, well, well like, I think what's it's Super even Mario crazy Brothers? there. Yeah, logline Super Mario Brothers for me. So the game uh-huh. <laughs> is impossible. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, right? So Super Mario Brothers game is a plumber uh, needs to free a princess from a castle uh, where she's being held captive by a big like dragon turtle man. Uh, but he needs to do that by uh, smashing his head into some bricks, jumping on some turtles, and uh, killing as many anthropomorphic mushrooms as he can. If they're not anthropomorphic, he'll eat them and they give him special powers. I already feel like I I have a bone to pick on the the game log line because I'm not even sure it's canonical that they're plumbers. There's something weird that happened. You just think it's because he goes through a pipe and they like make it make him a plumber. Well, I remember there being something weird in the early gaming manuals, but I don't think 
that it says they're Brooklyn plumbers. I think the Brooklyn plumbers element of it was brought to America by the fucking TV show intros to the animated, you remember those? Yeah. The animated TV show had these weird live action segments and I think that created the lore that they're Brooklyn plumbers, which was then there used is, in the movie. No, 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 no. You're you're missing you're missing the real origin of Mario Nate Jumpman on this because he's always been a blue collar worker. Because prior to trying to save the princess from the castle, his job was to climb a construction site in order to catch a giant ape that was sure. throwing barrels at him. Wrecking crew and Donkey Kong. Yeah, but even in Donkey Kong, I think it's from the big city. Uh. And I don't think it's Brooklyn. And if you were going to, it's not even the right place in New York to pick. Because if you're picking Donkey Kong, sure. he should be hanging off the fucking Empire State Building. Right. And that's sure. where you should sure. be. Whatever. Right. Doesn't matter. No, I, I, I just think I get it. I think it's funny to figure out like where in the lore, because in here, uh, in this movie, it's two Brooklyn plumbers and there's a trans-dimensional portal or whatever the fuck and they got to go save Daisy, who is Peach, who I don't know how those two things became yeah, one, that's, but they kind of did. That's definitely conflated because Daisy, which is interesting because in the post-Super Mario Bros. movie game canon, mm-hmm. I think I got through that right, Daisy is introduced as Luigi's princess. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. So there's two princesses in like the current canon and Daisy is Luigi's princess. All right, I got So they reverse engineer it and make the Super Mario Bros. movie somehow make more sense. So that all said, this movie, uh, this movie, man, I I watched it when it first came out. We'll get to the Morton Jenkel cut in a second, but before we do, when it first came out, I remember seeing, because I was a big Mario kid, man. Like, mm. that was my, I grew up playing fucking Super Mario Bros. 3 every fucking day of my life. Totally. So when the movie came out, I watched it, and it just like kind of went over my head. You know, I didn't really care. I did, There wasn't enough Koopa. The scenes that I really liked were all the scenes where the, uh, the Goombas, which shouldn't have been called Goombas, were special effects scenes, right? I've mentioned this over and over again, but when I was a kid, special effects was the only thing I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch gremlins and critters and and monster makeup and all of that. So the scenes where the like lizard head people are dancing in the elevator, that was like more of that shit. Give me that. But the like whole plot with like humans doing shit and the fact that like Koopa wasn't a lizard man and that was all lost on me. Now, watching it again this time, and I don't know if it's the Morton Jenkel of it all or if it's that uh, I just like paid more attention. I feel like what most people don't give this movie credit for is trying so hard to make sense of what the fuck <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is doing. They're yeah. like, you know, the mushrooms are actually uh, a king that was devolved. And so that's why they help you because it's like a king trying to get his kingdom back. It's like all of these things that like are like very far reaches to somehow integrate, um, you know, why this aspect of the game is actually pertinent to a real life scenario. And then every time it does like three of those, it goes, and there's babams and won't explain that for shit. It just goes and babams. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody panics about the bombs and runs right. away from them, which is, it plays um, like a great gag in the movie. Um, and it's just like that whole, that whole, I just feel like there's so, they try so hard to make 
like a solid, I mean, of its time, it is very much like trying to be right in the same pocket as the Buckaroo Banzai and all of those other like sort of like um, Demolition Man. Like it's got the oh, same, yeah. it's got the same heart, but I feel like if it, you know, if it were called anything else, we well, talk about well, this. Well, this is why show. you need to, this is why this is such an important movie when you, and I mean that, I know this sounds ridiculous, but when you look back, well, when you look back at these other movies that we have saved and preserved and canonized, you know, Brazil and Total Recall mm-hmm. and Escape mm-hmm. from New York, these movies you mentioned, you know, watch the scene where there are people in chicken coops in this movie and tell me that their version of dystopia, the sparks and the flames and the Mad Max elements and, you know, at the time that it came out, this absolutely fits in that canon of films. Mm-hmm. And also adds these weird elements of the time that we didn't realize, you know, like the dinosaur stuff. This is in the mm-hmm. right in bam, 90s dino fever mm-hmm. when all of these fucking dinosaur movies were happening. Mm-hmm. And you can see how this movie, they go, oh, well, we have kind of a reptile thing, King Koopa. We don't know what that is. It's reptilian, I guess, turtles. But also there's this Yoshi. And so I guess that gives us a connection. And they create this entire plot around a a parallel dimension where people evolved from dinosaurs instead of apes. Mm -hmm. And they do that because it's fucking dino fever and that's what's cool. Right. So you see, you see not only that, oh, if you're, if you're kind of digging on Escape from New York type movies or, Demolition Man, mm-hmm. because this is really like in that same kind of sensibility, the funny the funny parts of Total Recall or like the humor of Demolition Man, the like almost farcical mm-hmm. self-parody nature of it. And then introducing these, these other elements and the fucking performances, the John Leguizamo, the Bob Hoskins, mm-hmm. of course, with Dennis. Careful Hopper. once you say that. Once you say the name, that's the rest of the show. I know, I know. Look, <laughs> I I'll, I can be quiet about Dennis Hopper, but I will use this to point out something that we don't, which is that you know part of watching Dennis Hopper in this is the kind of like, oh, I can't believe Dennis Hopper is in it. Yeah, but that's definitely not a feeling you've had only once, right? That's like part of his oeuvre. Right. Is, sure, sure. Oh my God, Dennis Hopper's in this. And that's, I don't yeah. know how often, I won't say like every five movies or anything, but mm-hmm. these are elements that make it so notable as just imagine an escape from New York with this cast and also there's dinosaurs and it the mm-hmm. Mario element becomes almost like, wow, yeah, that's just another tiny little bit of, you know of relevance to that time and place, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a time capsule of a movie. Um, so I feel, I feel like uh, since you did manage to artfully dodge um, a 10-minute diatribe on Dennis Hopper, um, we can talk Morton Jenkel. So let me, let me I'm going to say what I think this is because you basically introduced it to me, and then you can tell me what it actually is. Um, so it, this movie came out and, uh, you know, everybody kind of unanimously agreed it was terrible at the time. And then some people were like, it, it might've been better if it wasn't bastardized by the studio and they took all this other uh, footage and compiled it, um, and made a longer movie. That's what I'll say. Longer movie. I, I don't remember the original movie enough to know if it was improved or not. 
So this cut of the movie was available for a while on archive.org. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of like uploaded there illegally and nobody noticed for a while because it's Super Mario Bros, the 90s film. On archive.org. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it's kind of like when people are like, hey, did you know you can watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on YouTube? It's like you can't, but somebody that week you could because, you know, somebody's algorithm wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. somebody's DCMA requests weren't toggled on or whatever the fuck. Right. Anyways, point is it was on archive.org. I don't know where the fuck you get it now. And depending on when you're listening to this, I don't know, they might have released that cut on Blu-ray and that's the cut now because weird things like that, you know, have happened. No, I think the current most up-to-date cut is the one with the Harrison Ford voiceover. Oh my God. Well, and so what's crazy about this is this movie is just so disrespected. I thought after Bob Hoskins died that surely there would be some sort of like retrospective re-release of the movie and uh, even that, this movie just won't come back out. I don't know what shady powers that be are kind of like trying to suppress this version of Mario. I don't know. But this other version comes out, which uses a, a VHS work print to restore a lot of how the film used to be before a lot of these cuts were made. And, you know, as the saying goes, it introduces more of the kind of like R-rated nature and the obscenity and this sort of like uh, prostitution adjacent, like what what life there is like and those types of things. But I think it also, just because it increases the runtime, it shows you more of that version of New York, of Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we don't have... I mean, there'll they'll never be enough New York on film for me, especially from that era, the you know, 90s and earlier, pre-World uh, Trade Center. There's obviously like so much TV and movies, but this kind of like blue-collar look at New York, mm-hmm. we have a couple real landmark examples of that, and people go to those over and over again. And then to find we have another one buried in a VHS work print of the Super Mario Brothers movie... It's just kind of like a cool and weird thing. Mm-hmm. And further ties the movie to, okay, so they're on the flip side of Brooklyn. These are also two, another uh, secondary theme for today, these are two movies with an underworld, mm-hmm. with a sort of like mirror version of normal society. Right. So we can look at Brooklyn and then we can look at the, um, what is the fucking, there's a train stop in here too. It's like, Koopa Square or something. Koopa Square train, you know, the, the K line. So funny. Yeah. When they're when they're having this uh prolonged debate about if they're in Manhattan or not, Leguizamo's character, excuse me, Luigi, like I don't know who the fuck this is. <laughs> Luigi's like, I don't know, I haven't been to Manhattan in a couple of weeks. Maybe it's changed, you know, just so funny. But uh talking about like probably a reference back to just a decade earlier when it used to be so full of graffiti and crime riddled and people were mm-hmm. afraid of the subway and and a lot of that. So it has a little bit of a political implication to it. And some of the things that they cut out of the movie for the, the final cut are some of the jokes about like, uh, you know, you can vote for anyone as long as it's Koopa. The, you know, right. one of the characters says, what kind of system is that? And the other replies, democracy. 
Right. This would be pre-Clintons, but it would be, you know, Bush era. Sure. Uh, talking about this kind of like royal lineage of who can get elected. Well, and I think too, so now I'm going to do it. Um, I think too, one of the things that sort of got just based on, so when you watch the Morton Jenkel cut, it's really obvious what was cut because you get the time clock on the scenes that are added back in mm-hmm. the timestamp thingy. Time code, glorious time code. Time code, thank you. And uh, a big chunk of those scenes, huge chunk of those scenes are extended Koopa dialogue. Mm-hmm. So much of what was cut was Koopa dialogue. Um, and man, like when you get to see Dennis Hopper flesh out this character that is written as Koopa, that to me, you're mentioning, you're asking like why this movie can't be like brought into the pantheon of the same sci-fi brotherhood that it was born into. It's because those scenes were cut because the the fleshing out of the Koopa character in this movie, not just, I mean, blah, blah, blah. Michael would, Michael loves every Dennis Hopper performance, sure. But the that character being allowed to flesh out and then being reflected as Koopa from the Mario game, mm-hmm. you know, like that juxtaposition makes this movie suddenly poignant. Right, you're talking about you're talking about you know the 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 thing about the regime and the politics and the election stuff, but it's also his whole performance and like the things he says and the way that he asserts his power over this alternate reality. Um, you know, like this is there's that there was that um, the Game of Thrones shitheads uh, were gonna make the um, that movie about what if the South won or the series about what if the South one. Yeah, yeah. This is like a version of that. This is like what if America lost fucking World War II? Oh you yeah. Know? Well, this it's is like, this is the classic what if Hitler won kind of scenario. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh except it's Koopa, right? And then you get is somehow because it's Koopa, you get to you get licensed to do all this random shit as long as he's like fucking up a mushroom. <laughs> like you don't have to worry about like stepping on anybody's feelings. You do have to worry about stepping on the feelings because the mushrooms are, of course, the king. Right, that's true. Which is uh, Lance Henriksen. Which is actually weird. canonically true to canonically true to the game. Uh, he's usually like turned into a dog in the game, but oh, mushrooms. Yeah, I forgot he's about that. Turned into a dog and transforms into a mushroom person. But you know, oh, this is yeah, the next that, best thing. The dogs. I heard that was weird. That was super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really like thematically. I don't know how much we're chewing on it that we're not in every dystopian version uh, or or sort of like tyrant version of America or of New York. But there is a a cool bit of this that I always love when I see a movie, which is like the fungus is a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing that we thought is, for for the purposes of this movie, I'm part of the monster. Mm-hmm. Part of the, when they get to the other world and it's so fucked up, part of why it's fucked up is there's fungus everywhere and that's horrifying to them. So the, And we find out the fungus is alive. The fungus is a, a single organism I'm saying a lot of things you could just say about fucking fungus. The fungus is of a single mind. It is a single, used to be, person. Mm-hmm. And so there is this, this theme of the monster is misunderstood. People hate the monster because it's gross or are 
really just our characters because everybody, the folk of the time, seems to know that in the song they sing that it is, in fact, the king. They know. But our characters don't know and they come around to it. And I, I just find that sweet. I don't know. Anytime I, people love the monster who is uh, only considered the monster because they're gross and not anything, they're even, not even a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. He's, he's there trying to give them the bomb from the beginning of the fucking movie. Very cool. All right, we got to get out of here. That, I'm sorry, that, that uh, race car outside means it's time to go. <laughs> Look, the website is patreon.com forward slash double feature. I want to thank Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Joachim Vernon. Next time, oh, you must have known Ooh. it was time, we are back to the French extremity. That's right. Do you remember where we are? I think we're, I assume we're at the end based on uh, where we are in the year of the show. Coming to the end of the whole double feature, man. I'll make it easy for you. Right. Battle Beyond the Stars and them. Look at that. Oh my God. Hunt yeah. them down. Okay. I remember, them. I remember, I remember programming Battle Beyond the Stars. Yes. Well, soon you will yeah. also remember them. All right. Well, watch more fucking, I need, I wish I had learned to say that in French, but now it's too late. <laughs> watch more fucking films. Bye.